Welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so excited that you join us today. And wherever you're listening from or whenever you're listening to this, we hope that you are encouraged. And if you ever want to join us in person, you can always join us at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. But we love you and we hope that you're encouraged today. be able to like, so, okay, I'll start. We never like officially said that this was a sermon series, but like in our mind, this has kind of been a sermon series about mission and vision and values. So that means that I get to wrap up the values part, which we will get to in a minute. But first I wanted to give a quick like summary of the last two weeks, because I know people come in and out and all of those things. So the first week we talked about the vision and the vision of God for his people, that the good news of God would be passed from generation to generation. And so the way we're doing that right now is by starting a brand new student ministry. I can't wait. I'm so excited. It's, it's so fun because like Clint mentioned, like he kind of alluded to our lives were forever changed because of the student ministry that we were in. That's where we met. We were both, (laughs) we were both called to ministry there through a student camp. So like we highly value student ministry and it's really wild that like we're, we're getting to like start, like plant the seeds of the student ministry that like our kids will be in. And like, it's just, it's wild. So we're excited about that. And I just want to give you guys like another round of applause that everything was bought in one day, which is wild. And if you guys got on there and you were like, why do they need switch controllers to start a student ministry? I would just say that like legitimate relationships are built through video games. Like if you've ever played video games with your kids, like you get to, you get some common ground, you can get some traction in a relationship with them. And that way, when these kids come and they play video games with Ryan and Jess or other student volunteers, when life hits them in the face, they're going to go, I have, I know who I can turn to. And they're going to be able to go to these people who they got close to through playing video games. So like it all matters. I'm so grateful to you guys to help us build that. And then we talked about the mission of the church, that it's God's mission to see the church grow because that means that people are meeting Jesus and that means that lives are being changed. And we talked about comfort is going to cancel your calling. And I wanna be clear that comfort doesn't revoke your calling. God isn't like, you're comfortable, you can't do that anymore. I'm not, we're not saying that, but we're saying that you cannot follow God's call on your life and be comfortable. Like he's going to ask you to do something that's uncomfortable. And so if you're not willing to stretch yourself and to take a leap of faith, like you're not gonna be able to follow God's call for your life. And the other big point was that contributing cancels consumerism. It's impossible to be a consumer of the church, someone that just comes and listens and leaves. And um, you can't do that whenever you are contributing to the mission of the church. And so our mission at Oasis is to see people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And we want every one of you guys to help us succeed in that mission and to see that come to fruition. So that was the last two weeks. So we've talked about vision, we've talked about mission, and today we're gonna talk about values. So real quick, I will share our church's values because I know there are some people that might not know them or maybe haven't heard them, but we have talked in length about these before. So if you hear something and you're like, oh, that's interesting. I want to hear more. Let us know. You can pull me aside after service, or you can reach out to us on Facebook and we'll send you a few messages that we've taught about like the, the values, 
the whole message is about the values. So real quick, I'll tell you, we have four values at Oasis. The first one is that we are full of faith. So we believe that God can and God will do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's the first one. Secondly, we are outrageously generous. We bless others with the blessings that God has given us. And that goes beyond just um, finances. It includes finances, of course, but it goes into like your time and your talents. And you know what is free? Oh, there are people out there. Thank you. Oh, this feels so much better being able to see faces. I'm like, I'm just talking to blackness. Um, <laughs> Okay, you know what is a way that you can be outrageously generous for free is with your words. Your words have the power of life or death. So why not give them freely and speak life to people? Be outrageously generous with your words. Third, we are committed to community. community. So we have meaningful connections with others. And that means that we want you guys to be connected with each other. And we're making it super easy for you guys this semester in small groups, okay? We're starting the week of the 12th. We're gonna have details of like what nights of the week or mornings or whatever they're gonna be coming out this week. There's gonna be a guys group, a girls group, and a married couples group. So there is no like ages or stages or like boxes that you have to fit in to belong to a group. If you're a guy, you can go to the guys group, the girls can go to the girls group, and you're married, you can come to the married group. And please make it a priority to make it to one of those because we want you guys to be known and to know other people. Because even a church of this size is gonna feel big if you walk in and you don't know a soul. Like we want you guys to be known, all right? And the last, but certainly not least, is that we are genuinely fun. We are enjoyable. We want to enjoy other people. And that means like, we want you guys to smile and laugh whenever you come to Oasis. Like that's, that's the heartbeat of who we are. And we believe that church is supposed to be like enjoyed, not just endured. We don't want people to walk in and be like, okay, we want it to be fun because God is fun. Okay, so those are the four things that we really value at Oasis. They are qualities that we make our decision through. Um, like when we're thinking about what we're gonna do next, like though we, we see through the lenses of those four values, okay? but much more importantly than our church's values are personal values. And those are something that you have to choose for yourself what they're going to be. And the gift of choice from God is something, I think it's one of his greatest gifts because he could have made us a robot. Like he could have just pre-programmed us with everything that we were gonna do, but he didn't. He gave us the gift of free will. So we get to choose things, which is a blessing, but it's also like, a pretty big responsibility, right? But never fear, because that's what we're here for. So we are gonna, in just a minute, look through the life of Moses and learn four principles that we can use whenever we're choosing our values, our personal values. Um, and I'm gonna start out, like God had kind of, when we were talking about doing mission, vision, and values, we kind of assumed that it was going to be um, our church's values because the mission and the vision was our church's mission and vision. But I just couldn't shake it that like, I wasn't supposed to talk about our church's vision again or our church's values again. And so I was like, I'm supposed to talk about personal values, but like, I don't know where to go. Like I have, I have this thing in my heart that I wanna get out, but I'm not really sure where. And so I started digging around. And so a lot of this wisdom actually comes from Pastor Rick Warren and he gives out his resources freely. So I just wanna say that heads up. I'm so grateful for it. I'm thankful for pastors who have gone before us and are willing to like share their wisdom with us. 
Okay, so we are going to be in Hebrews 11 today. And you're like, you talked about Moses, we're in Hebrews? We are, we're talking about Moses in Hebrews, okay? Uh, in Hebrews 11, should I move so y'all can see that? I'm gonna scooch over here while I'm reading. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. So I'm gonna stop right there and give a little context in case you're like, I don't really know what that's talking about. So we're gonna rewind 140 years before Moses was born. Joseph, who was in the uh, book of Genesis, he was sold as a slave and the, the slave traders brought him to Egypt. He was a slave. He actually worked his way up to be Pharaoh's right-hand man and then invited his family to come and live with him. Um, and so he had 12 brothers who we would assume are all married, who have a lot of kids, um, who would later be, become the tribes of Israel. They came to Egypt. So there's probably like maybe a hundred, that might be like whatever. But fast forward 140 years and there are now millions of these Hebrew people. So there's essentially a nation within a nation of Egypt and Pharaoh does not like it. He's like, it just takes them deciding one time to like band together and they could overthrow me. So he goes to all of the midwives and he says, hey, whenever a Hebrew baby is born, if it's a girl, that's fine, whatever. If it's a boy, you need to kill him. And so Moses' parents hear that and the midwife is like, the midwife was cool too. She was like, no, I'm not gonna do that. But Moses' parents knew that he was a special child and they said, no, we're not going to do that. And so they actually put him in a basket made of reeds and sent him down a river, which I think is wild. Like they were like, I would rather put my baby in the hands of God and give him a shot than to kill him. And so they did that. And he actually floated down the river to Pharaoh's daughter who was bathing in the Nile. She finds a baby and she goes, I'm gonna raise this baby as my own. So in one day, Moses went from a Hebrew slave to the grandson of the most powerful man in the whole world because of his parents' choices, okay? Which I think is wild. So we're gonna keep going. In verse 24, it says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because his eyes were on the one who is invisible. So there's a few choices in this passage that I wanna talk about. The first is that God chose Moses. The, the translation that we're reading said that his parents knew that he was unusual, but other translations say that he was special. So God chose Moses and had him set apart. But I want you guys to know that God has chosen you. The fact that you are alive and breathing, that he chose to create you and give you life means that he's chosen you and he has a plan for you. So we're, that's first things first. The next is that Moses' parents made choices for him. Baby Moses had no say in being able, like in being put in a basket to sent down, be sent down a river. He was a baby, you know? But his parents knew that that's what was best for him. And so they made the decision and they went through with it. And parents, you get to make decisions for your kids. And that includes bringing them to church. And don't hear me, I'm not getting down on anybody, but I just want to encourage the parents who are making those choices and who have made those choices for years and are seeing the fruit of it. Like 
you get to make those choices. I hear parents going like, well, I'm just gonna let them decide what they believe. I don't wanna force my spirituality on them. I'm not gonna choose that for them. But the same parents are choosing like, what do their kids eat for dinner? What do they buy them to wear to school? How are they getting to the activities that the parents have planned for them? All of these things that are seemingly trivial compared to your soul and your spirit, you're leaving their soul and their spirit up to them. Like you, I will say you cannot decide for your children to choose Jesus. That's a personal decision that has to be made, but you can make the decision to put them in a position and in an environment where they can meet Jesus. They can be filled with the Holy Spirit. They can be around people who love Jesus and they can get in the community. So if you've made that decision, that's awesome. Thank you for making that decision. If you haven't had kids yet, listen, you get to do that because you're the parent. You get to do that. All right, so Moses's parents chose for Moses, God chose for Moses, but then Moses grew up and he made choices for himself, okay? This is when he had to choose what he was going to value. And we're gonna look at four principles that we can use when we're choosing what we value, okay? The first thing is we have to refuse to be defined by others. So the scripture we read just a second ago, It says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Okay, so let's look at Moses' choice for just a second. He had two options. One, he could either live a lie and continue being Pharaoh's grandson, eventually step into the throne, be the most powerful man in the known world, live in the lap of luxury, have beautiful women feeding him grapes on fur rugs, like all of this, or, he could choose to be who he really was, who God had created him to be and give up all of that, essentially becoming a slave. If I had that choice, I think that the grapes and the fur rug sound really, really great, but not Moses, not Moses. It says that he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And whenever I was studying for this, I looked at the word refused and Um, the same word can actually be translated as disown. So not only was he going, no, thank you, you know, like politely refusing something, he was adamantly saying, no, that's not who I am. I am not Pharaoh's grandson. So he made that decision um, because he was setting his identity and not letting somebody else. So here is an important question for you. Who or what are you allowing to determine your identity? Is it your friends, your family, maybe a spouse or somebody at work? And whenever you become something you're not because people are encouraging you to be that, it's called falling into peer pressure. And there might be like kids and students in the room that are like, oh, adults to deal with peer pressure. Yes. Yes, we do. It doesn't end. So maybe it's TV. Maybe it's things you see on TV or you see on social media, or maybe you're trying so hard to fit yourself into these perfect little squares of Instagram, of who Instagram wants you to be, and it's killing you. But listen, the Bible says this in Romans. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing what the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And Moses himself says this in Exodus. He says, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. So have you ever let the crowd or the culture around you define what you were going to do. Maybe you drank too much one night more than you wanted to, or you went further on a date than you were planning on going, or you were forced, 
forced into making a decision that you weren't comfortable with. In that moment, you gave up your identity. You, you gave it up and hold on. There we go. It, sometimes it's because you don't want people to feel uncomfortable or you don't want people to have their feelings hurt. And you're like, well, I'll just do this because they want me to. But it says in 1 Thessalonians that our purpose is to please God, not people. So whenever we have our identity in God and we know who he has created us to be, it means that the fear of upsetting other people goes away because you know, I'm standing as who God made me to be. And if I disappoint them, then I disappoint them. But like, I'm doing what God has called me to do. So we have to refuse to let anything but Christ and the identity we have in him define us. The second choice that we see Moses make that we can learn from is we have got to choose short-term pain for long-term gain. He chose to value hard work over quick fixes. And I think our culture in America has a really hard time with this. Like we want, we want it and we want it right now. Like that's what our culture is. So maybe you charge things to a card because you can't afford it, but then you're stressed out from the debt. Like a lot of our problems go back to that. Or you're, you overindulge and you eat, like, you know, you overeat and then you're like miserable and you don't feel good. You don't feel good about yourself. And it's because we can't, uh, we can't delay gratification or you start a new job that you're like, oh, this is it. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to crank out the money and it, you don't pick up on it as fast as you want to or whatever. And so you're like, okay, never mind, That's it. And you jump from job to job to job and there's no stability. And how many of you would agree that the right thing to do is a lot of times the hardest thing to do, right? Like if the right thing to do was easy, then everybody would be doing it. Like that, there would be a world of like mentally healthy and physically healthy, like kind people who are going to therapy. It would just be awesome, right? But the right thing to do is sometimes the hardest thing to do, but we have got to choose to value faithfulness to value keep going instead of just these fleeting rewards that we think we're gonna get. So let's look back at Moses in Hebrews eleven twenty five. It says he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. So real quick, I wanna point something out. And this is a fact because it's in the Bible. So it's true. It says here that sin is pleasurable. Sin, <laughs> sin is fun. You're going to enjoy it, but it says the fleeting pleasures of sin. Another translation, it goes on and it says, enjoy sin for a short time. And then when that time is up, you know what you have? The consequences of your choices that you've lived. Okay, so um, we're going back to scripture. Moses chose God. He chose short-term pain over short-term pleasure because he had his eye on the prize. He knew that he had long-term gains. And before we go on, I wanna acknowledge something. Like I realize that some of the pain that you're gonna have to work through is really, really, really painful. Like there are some things that have happened, some trauma, some hurts, some hangups, all of these things, and they're legitimate and they're real, but I'm going to be clear. And I'm saying this because I love you and hear me out. Don't, don't take anything, like listen the whole time, okay? People can harm you, people can hurt you, and people can scar you, but nobody can ruin you besides yourself. 
You are the only one who can ruin you. Nobody else has that power because the choices you make are greater than the circumstances you're in. And you might be a product of your past, but you're not a prisoner. It doesn't get to define you. And listen, there, we were talking through this and I was like, I just don't know, like, I'm talking about taking responsibility and Pastor Clint pointed out like, things that happen to us aren't our responsibility. Like we are not responsible for them when things, when people hurt us or when bad things happen to us, we're not responsible for them sometimes, but you are always response able. You are always able to choose the way that you respond to these things. <clears throat> it's like a weird, like my voice stopped working. I think I'm really thirsty. Okay, but listen, <laughs> when you choose Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh, that helped. Okay, when you choose to avoid the hard work because you're afraid of the pain that it's gonna bring you, you're only doing yourself a disservice. Like you're only hurting yourself. So I'm gonna ask you through the lens of everything I just said, as your pastor, I love you. Bad things have happened. You can be in real pain, but where do you need to take responsibility? Where do you need to choose to respond in a different way? Maybe it's like you're blaming somebody for where you are right now or for your lack of success that you expected or your relationship status or your spiritual condition. And I like you're you're free to choose to respond however you want to. Like I'm telling you that you should work through the pain. You're free to respond however you want. You can run away, you can cope unhealthily, you know, you can drink it out, you can be mean, you can do all of these things, push people away. But you're free to do those, but you're not free from the consequences and what's going to happen when you choose to, to do those things. So you're gonna have pain in your life. It's going to happen because God never promised us a pain-free life, but you get to decide if you have the pain now or you have the pain later. Romans 5, three through four says, um, you, we rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So listen, these are two truths and promises about pain in your life. Number one is that God will use your pain if you let him. You have to let him use your pain. He's gonna develop it into character qualities that are beautiful, that are good, but you have to let him. Secondly, God will reward you in heaven. What happens on earth isn't the end and how we choose to, to deal with it will be rewarded in heaven. Second Corinthians says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Real quick, okay guys, this is Paul writing this to the Corinthians. This guy had been beaten he'd, within an inch of his life. He'd been imprisoned, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been bit by a snake on the island that he was shipwrecked on, like all of these things. And he is saying our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Like it's all about perspective, right? Verse 18 says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone and the things we cannot see will last forever. So we get to decide, we get to decide. are we going to value short-term pleasure or are we going to be willing to work through the pain short-term so that we can have long-term rewards, sometimes only eternally. God never promises an easy life, but he promises an eternal reward, an eternal healing. So 
choose to put the work in now. Set the habits, work through the pain with a counselor, like set yourself up now so that later it's, it's, you have those rewards, okay? So we're gonna refuse to be defined by others. We're gonna choose short-term pain for long-term gain. And thirdly, we're going to choose what God values, not what culture values. All right, so the Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty six, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. So at the time, Egypt was the center of the world. All of the wealth, all of the pleasures, all of the treasures, all of it centered into Egypt, and every single one of them was Moses's. He had all of it, okay? And he... He said, no, he looked at it, he evaluated it and he made his judgment and said, nope, I'm not doing that. So here's the question. If we were to go to coffee and sit down or if I were to ask you to write at the top of your notes because everybody takes notes in church, right? Um, (laughs) I'm just joking. But if I were to say, okay, what are the top three values you live your life by? Go, would you be able to tell me? Or what about the top 10 If you got the three down, do you have the top 10 down? What are the most important values on which you base your life? And if you can't name them, how can you live by them? And this is, if if you have, if you don't listen to anything else today and everything else leaves you, I want you to remember this. If you don't know your values, what you value, what makes you who you are, somebody else is going to tell you what you value. Okay, if you don't know your values, somebody else is going to tell you what you should value. And probably they're going to tell you to value what the world values. So let's look, what, do the world, what does the world value? It says here in 1 John that the people value the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, which simply put is just popularity, prestige and power. And then through Hebrews and this scripture that we're reading about Moses, we see that they also value pleasure and possession. So it's the five P's. It is popularity, prestige, power, pleasure, and possessions. That's what the world values in in a billion different ways and shapes and forms. That's what it comes back to. And you know, like I said, it's crazy. Moses had every single one of these. He was in line to be the Pharaoh of Egypt. He was going to be the most powerful man in the world. And he said, no. And he said, I'm going to choose to live by God's values. So here are some of the ways that God's values can counteract these. Number one, God's purpose is more important than popularity. It's more important because if Moses, think about it. If Moses had decided to continue to live a lie, he turned into Pharaoh, he lived his life as that we probably wouldn't know much about him. Think about it. Like, can you name a Pharaoh besides like King Tut? Like, wasn't he a Pharaoh? I I don't know. Like, I, I don't know anything, but because he chose to live his life that God had called him to, here we are learning from him and talking about his life 6,000 years later, because God's, God's call on our life and his purpose in our life is so much more important than popularity. Number two, people are more important than pleasure. Pleasures are gonna fade. Sure, things are fun, but you get that hit of dopamine and then it goes away and you do whatever you can do to get back to it. But but whenever you take your time and you invest it into people, 
that has an eternal reward. People are more important than pleasure. It's worth sacrificing your time, sacrificing your values, sacrificing whatever it takes to be able to to pour into people because we are people people. I don't know if y'all know that. Even if you're not a people person, you're a people person because God loves people. And that's, that's what he's called us to do. Number four, nope. Number three, peace of mind is more important than possessions. Moses gave up everything a lot of us live our lives trying to get because he had an eye on the prize. He was looking ahead at the reward and Paul challenges, challenges us to do this in the very next chapter in Hebrews 12. He says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. That peace of mind that we have in following Jesus and running after him and knowing that he is the prize, that means that possessions absolutely don't matter. You don't get to take your stuff with you. Like you don't, it's gonna go away. It's gonna be given to somebody. They're gonna sell it. They're gonna throw it away, whatever. Possessions don't matter. But keeping your eye on the prize and on Jesus and the race he has set out before you is going to give you that peace of mind, all right? So those, the first three values, where we choose what God values, not what culture values. We choose short-term pain over long-term gain and we refuse to let anybody else define us. The fourth one, this is the last one, we choose to live by faith, not by fear. In verse 27, it says, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Moses had every reason in the world to be terrified. He was standing against the most powerful man in the world. People literally thought, ancient Egyptians thought that Pharaoh was like a descendant of Ra, the sun god. Like they believed that Pharaoh was a god. Therefore, like what Pharaoh said went, like you did what Pharaoh said. But Moses said, no, I I answered to an authority higher than you. And I'm saying, I'm not doing that. And He did that because he had faith in in God and what he had told him to do. But here's the key. You have to have your faith in the right place. There are a lot of things that you can put your faith into. You can put your faith into a bank account. You can put your faith into a political party, which I don't, I mean, that's like a rough thing to do these days. You know what I mean? But you can put your faith in a spouse and expect your spouse to come through for you. You can put your faith in a friendship. You can put your faith in a job. You can put your faith in a calling as as good as being a pastor. But if your faith isn't in Jesus and the work he's done for you on the cross, then it's in the wrong place and you will be let down. You will be let down. Uh, Galatians 2.16 says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Faith in Jesus is what makes it possible to not bow to fear. And really faith in Jesus is what makes the other three principles work. When you have your faith in Jesus, you know who you are. When you have your faith in Jesus, you know that if you choose short-term gain, you're going to have long-term, short-term pain, you're gonna have long-term gain. And if your faith is in Jesus, you want the same values as God. 
And if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, that simply means that you are acknowledging like, I can't run my life. I've tried and I'm not good at it. I can't put my faith in myself because I'm going to fail. But you can choose to put your faith in God because God sent Jesus to be a perfect person because we're not perfect. But Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on the cross to cover you up all of your sins. His blood has covered all of your sins. And then he raised from the dead. So not only are our sins covered, but he's beat death. So we don't even have to worry about dying. Sometimes we go through that like we're like okay what's the worst that could happen like and you follow the trail until you're like I could die and then it's like but if I die I get to go to heaven so is that like really that bad so there you go there's a little anxiety tip for if any of you guys struggle with anxiety sometimes I do that and I'm like hey if that's the worst that happens then that's the worst that happens but seriously you don't have to fear death because Jesus beat it on the cross so listen, you got everybody, go ahead, close your eyes, bow your heads. And if you're in the room right now and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I wanna give you a chance to, and I'm gonna just share a prayer that you can pray. And this isn't any sort of magical words. It's not like a woo woo kind of thing. It's just a simple prayer to put to words what the Holy Spirit might be doing in your heart, okay? So let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I know that I'm incapable of living a perfect life, but Jesus lived one for me, died to cover my mistakes, and rose again so that I can have eternal life through faith in him today. Today, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want to love what you love and value what you value. And in the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. Thank you for what you've done and what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen.